everybody for Cryptocurrent. I'm Stephen Miller and you are watching the Aftershock, our weekly show where we get you caught up on all things Web3. As always on these Aftershock Wednesdays, I'm joined by my co-host Richard Carthon. Richard, how are you doing this week? What's up everybody? Doing great. Just wrapped up our inaugural AGME. Austin's going to make a conference. Went really well. Um, our panelists did an amazing job. All the speakers were great and the attendees were magnificent, came out in full force. Um, a lot of great networking, a lot of uh, good new relationships made um, and a really fun after party um, downtown uh, in, in Austin as well. So it's feeling great about that. Market's been, crypto markets also pumped up for in the last week for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, we're talking a market cap that went from 920 billion all the way up to uh, over a trillion. Uh, pretty pretty drastic change in the last week. So feeling pretty good. How about yourself? How you feeling? You know, man, I am, let's just say a little tired. Agme took a lot out of me, um, but I am here with one job in mind, and that is to make sure that all of our listeners are informed as to what's going on in the crypto markets and up to date with what's going on in Web3. So I'm going to stick with that goal in mind, work through it and get past the conference fog. And hopefully you will as well. But for those that are joining us for the very first time or joining us you know, from Agme for the very first time, um, this is the show where we get you caught up with all things news. But we also do another show on Mondays where Richard sits down with thought leaders across the space to get you connected with the thought leaders who are shaping Web3. But for right now, we're going to jump into this, this show. And that is The Aftershock. So let's get it. The Aftershock. And at the top of The Aftershock... Uh, lightning round this week, we have FTX. Now, FTX, for those who are not aware, is one of the leading exchange providers in the world of Web3. Um, they are a centralized exchange and they have been on an absolute tear when it comes to things like acquisitions and even with developments of their own. So they've had a recent announcement saying that they're working on a stable coin. And this, of course, comes right on heels of near protocols stablecoin officially failing. So it's interesting to see that we've got them entering the stablecoin wars along with Binance and USDC. But even more interesting is the fact that Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of um, FTX, has come out and pointed to Coinbase as a potential acquisition target. Now, that is no small piece of news, Richard. When we talk about SBF's acquisition spree so far, it's been offshots, right? It's not been massive acquisitions. There have been some that have been, you know, very surprising, you know, especially when it comes to uh, to buying up a lot of Voyager um, and that company's assets after Voyager collapsed. But this is FTX coming out and saying we're going to buy the largest retail exchange known. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on this before we get into our last piece of FTX-related news. So some people who are listening to this are like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Of course, FTX will want to get acquired by Coinbase. No, 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 no. It is the exact opposite. FTX is trying to acquire Coinbase, which I think is freaking hilarious because FTX isn't nearly as big as Coinbase as far as user growth goes and, and everything else. However, where it could still work, it just goes to show how much cash flow and I guess just through strategic investments and other things that FTX has a path 
to seriously give them an offer that they can consider. Um, FTX is a force to be reckoned with, um, and they continue to push the envelope forward. So I, I really think FTX has a path to becoming the premier exchange in crypto, and they're really trying to buy their way to the top. Now, Richard, is it a fair assessment to say that Coinbase may be the number one exchange in terms of like serving the consumer markets and retail traders, and FTX right now is the leader in institutional crypto investors? Or what? What's your read on? Is that would that be the reason why SBF would go target Coinbase to go? I guess like grab a hold of the entire retail market. Is that kind of the the vibe here? I think they're going more after the retail market. And they're also going after the fact that because Coinbase has already put as much money as they have into an NFT marketplace, they can also get those assets as well. So not only are you going in acquiring new users, you're also acquiring uh, a significant amount of, of compliance as well that they've already figured out in, in other things that are all amazing assets that Coinbase has done a lot of the legwork for. Yeah, there's certainly a lot to this story to keep an eye on. But now we've come into the final piece of this FTX um, news week that was. And that is that FTX recorded roughly $936 million in short liquidations last week. Now, it's no secret. We saw the market you know, boost up across the last week. And that was largely on the back of a mass of liquidations across the entire market. Now, $936 million is no small amount, right? We saw a ton of liquidations you know, occur on FTX. But outside of that, just to give you some comp, you have $1.1 billion in short liquidations last week just outside of, of FTX. So they nearly equaled the market in terms of how many short liquidations they had. It was a record for the platform. They've never had more short liquidations than that. So it's interesting news nonetheless all around. Let's go ahead and walk away from the folks over at FTX for a moment and talk a little bit about Dogecoin, right? I have never been a fan of talking about Dogecoin on this show. I just want to be very straight up about it. But I find it really interesting that Dogecoin is right now surging as Elon Musk has officially acquired Twitter. Now, Dogecoin is officially the largest, the sixth largest crypto in the current market cap. And to me, it's very interesting that this is still, you know, a narrative, right? That Elon is good for Dogecoin. I think Elon was just manipulating Dogecoin. That's my personal take. How do you feel about the news? I think he's an opportunist. And I think that he jumped on the opportunity back when he was first getting into the crypto scene to endorse uh, Dogecoin. And it suited him until it didn't when he went on Saturday Night Live and basically said nothing about it. Um, now the Dogecoin community is like, oh, he's back. He's, he's about to be on Twitter. He's waiting for that moment. He's going to do it again. But he really hasn't made any promises. So, I mean, I, I'm i not shocked that the Dogecoin community is is pumping this now that he's he's back in charge. But, like, it also could be a really big opportunity and for, for Dogecoin to really start to surge again. Because when you look at who helped him buy Twitter, Binance put up $500 million. They want crypto to have an active voice um, and on the social platform. So uh, there's there's a pathway to crypto becoming more and more active in this space. And uh, who knows, maybe, maybe Dogecoin will become the official crypto of Twitter. I doubt it, but hey, what, well, we got to put some hopium out there every once in a while. Yeah, look, please don't put that devil on me. I, I don't want Dogecoin to be the official currency of Twitter for a second. 
<laughs> but when I look at what CZ and Binance have said about this acquisition and you know how they finance part of it, they're really bullish on Twitter being one of the big home bases of Web3. So I'm going to continue to watch this one pretty closely for you at home. But it's also interesting because it comes right at the same time as Twitter is starting to integrate some wallets. So we'll be talking more about that a little bit later. Now for a piece of news out of um, the APAC region. So the Reserve Bank of India has officially launched the Digital Rupee Pilot. Um, it is going to be a program they're running throughout the month of November. And it seems like it's a promising piece of international news after India's you know, crypto policies have been unpredictable of late, right? They continue to kind of do these back and forth flips just like China. So what do you think of this one? Why is this a big story? It's a big deal because they're embracing um, digital currency. Now, it's, it is a CBDC, so obviously they'll be able to track a lot more of it as a government, but they are becoming more open to the concept of, of digital currency. And I think that as huge as India is, if they're able to launch this and have success with it, it could set the framework for a lot of other countries that are out there trying to get a lot of this figured out. So I think this is huge news. And I, it's, it's one that I'm going to be watching pretty closely. Yeah, it's definitely one to watch. Um, for me, I don't get that jazzed up about CBDC news. So I want to go into this next story because it is big. So Google is launching a managed node hosting service for Web3 development. It doesn't get bigger than Google. Like, fine. The nation of India is big. I get it. But this is a global internet provider and search engine. Okay, like for them to start opening this up mirrors to me how Amazon became the leader in, you know, the AWS marketplace for, you know, cloud services. This is going to be such a big deal in the next decade as nodes became like become one of the bigger needs in the crypto world to secure networks, especially those that are operating on proof of stake. So to me, you're going to start to see this, you know, just after the announcement that you're able to start paying in crypto um, via Google services. So Google is stepping in in a big way. And I would not downplay this news at all. What do you think comes next for them? Because I think there's a lot of speculation that can be played into this as we've seen a lot of moves out of them in the last month. So what are your, what are your initial thoughts of what comes next for, for Google? Man, if they're already trying to figure out node hosting services, a crypto's got to be coming, right? Because if they're figuring out the infrastructure play here and they eventually figure out like, oh, wow, we could be doing this ourselves and then we're making people use our native token for all Google services or whatever and giving discounts, man, that they're figuring out the infrastructure like they always do. And the ultimate play that I think they make eventually is launching some sort of token or coin. I think that's the play. And I have to tell you, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that publicly traded companies like Google have far too much at stake when it comes to that. Because you look at how all of Congress and the SEC responded to Meta when they were you know, thinking about launching even just so much as an, a wallet like Novi, right? Libra and DM are just a glint in the parent company's eye now because frankly, it's long dead. Um, I have a feeling that you're going to see Google be the pick and shovel play. They want to be out here with all the picks and shovels to empower crypto without having to do at all with like the actual creation of cryptocurrency. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops, but I'm curious what segment of the market they start to serve next. 
something to and, me says that it will be institutional. For sure. And I, I, I will echo what you said. I agree. However, the only caveat that I'm going to add to that is I think the play is after regulation comes out and after it's very clear what are the ramifications of this, they will be ready to pounce. And I think in that moment, that's when we could see that potential moment happen. That's my only caveat. Well, we will keep an eye on it for sure. In our final story in the Web3 Lightning Round this week, we got to go with a little bit of a throwback because this past week we celebrated the anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper. What those don't, what a lot of people don't, you know, recognize or realize is that the Satoshi Nakamoto Bitcoin white paper was in fact published on Halloween of 2008. So we are now, four, what is it, 14 years 14 on? years. Yep. Crazy how time flies when you're making money or losing money in a bear market, right? But big shout out to you, Satoshi, wherever you are. Thank you for changing the world, right? Oh, absolutely. Let's jump, Let's jump into the metaverse. I think we can say that we've celebrated Satoshi enough on this show in the past. So let's jump into Facebook, doing a little recap on this one for you. Now, as you know, Facebook became meta um, about a year ago. And the running joke is, you know, the meme of down bad. And it doesn't get much worse than how down um, meta is right now. So year to date from their change, they are now down 72% as a stock year to date. Is there hope? Will this reverse, Richard? Talk to us. I think there's hope. I just think that in the same, it's it's ironic that in the same fashion, when you see a bear market happen in crypto and you see 60 to 90% retracements, you're seeing this happen in the stock market, right? Which is crazy. Facebook was one of the largest corporations in the world and greatly benefited during COVID and all of these other things. And, and, Mark uh, Zuckerberg, the CEO, has put such a stance in the ground at a conference back in October 28th of, of 2021, where he's changed the name to Meta and said that this is the future and sold you know all his you know constituents on like this is where things are headed. It's gonna be hard for him and and Meta to stay in that conviction if they can't reverse course, let's say in the next six months. I don't know. I mean, it's basically been a year since this announcement, since everything else. But I think they got like six months to really try to re reverse course in this. And what's what's even wilder is when you look at the entire uh, tech industry right now, if you go back to what happened in the dot-com bubble, you're seeing a lot of the same things happen for year-to-date uh, stocks going out. And all of them are pretty much in tech stocks where you're seeing anywhere from uh, 65 to 75% retracements from all-time highs. So there's a lot of correlations and another reason why you got to pay attention to the macro to see what's potentially happening uh, to crypto as well and why there's correlations in prices. That's why people say, when in doubt, zoom out. I think Mark is not very worried about being down 72%. We've seen the market go you know, up and down and all around. And it's going to continue to do that, folks. It's not like news. I think that if you're looking at it from an opportunistic standpoint, Meta's metaverse hopes are very much alive and they will be alive as long as the metaverse itself is not regulated out of existence. Um, they'll have a centralized play, but it's still very much so on the horizon for them. They've got quite a lot of development to go. They've got a lot of people to win over, but we will keep an eye on it for you here at Cryptocurrent. In our next story, we've got Reddit, you know, Alexis Ohanian's former company. They just launched avatars as NFTs like a week ago and went on to generate $2.5 million in a day 
in a bear market. I don't know how that's possible, but this was all after they launched an in-app wallet for their users. And I love a lot of little details about this story. Um, it, it really is fascinating to me to see how they're going about this and how they're implementing because they onboarded more people in a week than, than OpenSea has onboarded into NFTs in its lifetime. Like it's just, it's insane to me. So yeah. out of curiosity, you know, you've got these avatars out there now. Do you see Reddit taking some other progressive step forward? Or like, why is this such a relevant move? What's amazing about this is Reddit has a huge, 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 huge ecosystem. And it shows that when, let's just say for simple math, they have 100 million people that are within its ecosystem. So if they got 2.5% of that ecosystem to spend money at a dollar, obviously it's this, but obviously the, the, the MTs probably sold for a little bit more. So they probably got 1% of their entire population to be like, okay, cool. I, I think NFTs are cool. And that's what happens when you have mass and you're able to bring infrastructure to onboard into the Web3 space. You really have Web 2.0, being able to do Web 2.5, where you're having people within their own ecosystem onboard people into Web3. Then you have the Web3 element, which are the NFTs and NFT marketplace all into one platform. Like you want to talk about mass adoption, like they're putting all the steps together in under one umbrella, which is freaking genius. And I think you're really going to start to see other major brands try to find a way to do like to incorporate these types of things as well. Yeah, I, I think this is just the start. I, I'm really, really convinced this is just the start. They had such tremendous value, like not value, sorry, volume on their exchange, like that was built in. They'd, it, it just isn't going to go away. Like it's just not going to go away. Like these avatars are going to get traded. They're going to be used all over the place. And it opens the door to so many more deep crypto integrations and tipping and all that other stuff that you want to see out of an application. So I'm pretty bullish on it. I think the other big, big thing that's going to fly under the radar on this one, and I spoke about this on my NFT panel during um, Agme this past Friday, is that they are going to be the ones that lead the charge on changing the lexicon away from just talking about NFTs and starting to translate it into digital collectibles. Digital collectibles is such a better way of referring to everything in the NFT market. And it's going to be absolutely transformative because it's more approachable than some highly technical term like NFTs, where you have to consistently onboard people and teach them about all the risks associated and all of the depth of the technology. People don't give a shit about the technology at the end of the day. They want to be able to use it and count on it and rely on it, right? They need to get to that point. That's how it's going to trans transcend and fully scale into the point where it's truly becoming an object of convenience. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's a, probably going to be one of the bigger stories across the year, um, if we're being really honest with ourselves. But we'll be catching up on that probably in the next couple of weeks during our yearly recap space. Um, so please keep an eye out for that. We did that at the end of last year and it was a blast. So we're going to have our predictions for 2023 ahead and recap some of the top stories for you then as well. So let's jump into the next story and get this train back on the track. And that is actually having to do a little bit with an offshot, which we mentioned earlier about Twitter. Um, well, basically right after the Reddit news dropped, Twitter came out and 
news started to circulate that they were working on a wallet prototype supporting both crypto deposit and withdrawal from within Twitter. So this could also be a huge deal, right? Twitter already had integrated monetization by way of tipping where you could literally, you know, add through Strike or through um, just adding an Ethereum wallet, the ability for people to tip you across Twitter. Well, now you don't need to even add something. They're going to integrate it themselves the same exact way that Reddit did. Um, I don't think that this is just happenstance. I think this is a very clear picture of where we're headed. All of social media is starting to get the picture that if they do not evolve, they're going to die. So I'm really interested by it personally, but I want to make sure we get into the next story and away from wallets a little bit. And that, of course, has more to do with Twitter. Twitter has announced they're working with Magic Eden, Rarible, Dapper Labs, and Jump Trade to enable NFT tiles for buying, selling, and displaying NFTs through tweets. Now, what I find interesting is that this is going to be a unique section on the Twitter profile. So it's going to appear more like tiles. And these tiles are going to kind of be mirrored to what you would expect out of Instagram, right? You have the three up and then three up and then three up below that of just your specific NFTs. And you can scroll those as listings. Uh, it's basically going to go across your Twitter home screen where you have, you know, if you, if you were to go to your profile, you have tweets, you have tweets and replies, you have media. There's going to be this new little tab for tiles and NFTs. It's a unique integration, to say the least. But what's really, really bullish about this to me is that just based on who they're working with, it goes to show that they're expecting to integrate NFTs from all platforms. Okay, Magic Eden's on Solana. Rarible's on Ethereum. Dapper Labs has the Flow blockchain. Jump Trade exists somewhere outside of that. I've never heard of Jump Trade. But it's really bullish. It's really bullish news. And I'm really excited about it because they're going to start out with Ethereum and they're going to bring it forward from there. Um, Richard, do you think this has as big of potential as the Reddit deal or is this something that's just comparable? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that Elon came out the gate saying is like, we got to find more ways of making money than pure advertisements. Like the, the only way Twitter makes money right now is through ads. So how do you start incorporating other ways for revenue? oh, let's come out the gates and figure out how we create an NFT marketplace where crypto Twitter lives anyway. And so you can start to capture some of that market share and everything else. Like I just, man, there's, Twitter's about to be so different. Like a year from now, we're going to look back at this and be like, man, we just had no idea. It, Twitter's about to become a very, very different platform. I mean, what do you think it's going to look like? I mean, man. I think it's going to be extremely crypto friendly. I think you're going to definitely get more people um, who are able to express themselves however they please. And I think that is going to deter some major money that's being spent via advertising as money starts to get pulled from the platform. So I think you start to see the dynamic change on Twitter generally. And I think you start to see subsets of Twitter um, and even more so than what you do today. Um, I think the crypto community will potentially will continue to thrive in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I think that it's really going to be uh, one of the first mainstream platforms to really embrace moving towards Web3 as opposed to just staying in the Web2 world. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see how it takes shape. Um, there's a lot about the moves that Elon wants to make that 
on the surface seems like it's going to be good. But then on the flip side, I find myself really, really skeptical because I know that a lot of the decisions and the moves that he's made in the past have had really shady undertones. So I don't know what he really does imagine. I don't know what it's going to mean, um, but it makes me think a lot. And I really hope that it's genuine, that he wants to make for a more you know, freedom of speech friendly platform because it should be a place where people can come together and have a platform and have a voice without some type of censorship just because they want the algorithm to be a little bit more complex, complex and complicated. But let's go ahead into our final story for last week in the metaverse. And it's a fun one. So I'm, I'm going to really enjoy this one because I think there's a lot more to unpack. DC Collectibles and DC Comics have officially announced they will be getting into the metaverse via NFT Comics. Their first release will be the 1939 Superman number one that they will be releasing as an NFT. Now, this is, of course, coming from a very copycat position. Marvel has been dropping comics through Vivi for months now. Like, it's been a minute. Do you see this as another copycat players? This them legitimately caring about moving their IP into Web3? I'm calling copycat. I'm calling copycat. I want to believe that there's more to it, but it feels like everything digital for DC has just been an elaborate copycat. And I I don't I don't agree with it. I don't endorse it. And I'm not gonna buy it. Um, I'm just not like, I think that, yeah, DC has some historical significance as, as a nerd. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give them that all day long, but when you are just doing exactly what your competition is doing, it doesn't show anything novel. Um, I want to see the comic book game come into web three so that these stories can be immortalized on the blockchain. Yes. All day long but at least say that there's going to be some type of like special features or like there's going to be some like additional like content unlock that you'll get by owning this, you know, edition of Superman number one that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. This is just them directly ripping off of Marvel. Yeah. And eventually we're going to get to the point where it's going to be directly compared to the Simpsons, right? There's this constant trope in all of animation. They no animate, animated series is ever going to do anything that like is truly novel or original because, quote unquote, The Simpsons did it. It was you know, mocked in a, in a South Park episode long, long time ago. Yeah. I think that we're going to get to the point where it's like every other comic you know, company or every other um, animated or you know, little like, uh, universe like Marvel with superheroes, is, it's just going to be like Marvel did it. They're the ones that led the way. Um, not that like we need to dive into this too much further, but like, do you think there's a path forward for DC in the metaverse or what? I think there's a path forward. Um, I just think they got to be original. I think they really got to like map out something uniquely different that they compare to this opportunity. But what they're doing is just super safe and basic, and, and again, feels just like a copycat. So, um, I I just can't. But I do want to take this quick moment because you brought it up to sidebar to The Simpsons for two seconds. That writer is a time traveler. You heard it here first, and I'm going to stop there. See, God, dude, <laughs> you can just open that up. 
<laughs> Look, fine. I'll 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 admit I think Matt Groening is absolutely a time traveler as well, but of all of the different conspiracy theories and things out there, like you just have to hope to God by the end of this week, the the Philadelphia Phillies have not won the World Series. <laughs> because, or we are guaranteed for financial crisis. Because <laughs> you like that's that's one of my favorite narratives that's going on right now. Like it's not a time travel narrative, but it's like the historical bias of it all is just, I mean, it's staggering. I think we talked about it one or two weeks ago on the Aftershock, but the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies, every time they've gone to the World Series, have consistently led into a financial crisis when they've won is just a little bit too real. It's way so too I'm, much of a coincidence. It's insane. I'm, yeah, I'm just sitting here like, man, the Astros just needed to take it to them. And <laughs> I think the series is tied at one right now. I don't, I don't yeah. think we've gotten to game three yet. And man, it just scares the crap out of me thinking that like they came from behind in game one. They, you know, walked off in the 10th inning. We're, I'm not going to say that on the cast. We're in a very bad position. If the Philadelphia Phillies win the World Series, we're even, we're in an even worse position if DC Comics doesn't figure their shit out and stop copying Marvel. And that's what we do here on the Aftershock. We tear it all down for you. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, drop the episode a like on YouTube. We drop these episodes every Wednesday. We, of course, also put this out through our podcast platform. So if, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can listen to the Aftershock and our interview series that drop every single Monday. Of course, if you want the full recap from Austin's Gonna Make It that we had last Friday in Austin, all of those panels were in fact recorded. We will be dropping those very soon. Um, here on the Cryptocurrent YouTube, as well as on the podcast. So make sure you are either following on your favorite podcast platform or subscribed over on YouTube. That should be about it for us this week um, for the team here at Cryptocurrent. Richard, do you have anything you would like to share with the audience about the interview that you've had this week? Yeah, so this week we talked to uh, Trevor Levin. Uh, He's bridging CFI, which is centralized finance, with DeFi, decentralized finance, uh, helping you to earn the highest yields on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and USDC um, using Midas Investments. It's a really cool conversation, really sharp guy, and uh, interview worth listening to. All right. And then look, um, one final piece of news for you, and this just like came across the wire for us. Um, If you want to listen to some of the bigger takeaways from um, Agme this past week, we are going to both be on Twitter Spaces with one of our speakers, Ben Noble, this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Central. Um, just to kind of give a recap of what happened at Agni, talk a little bit about the top, like the top level takeaways. So please feel free to join us over there on Twitter Spaces. You can follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. You can follow Richard at Richard Carthon. We'll both be online and on that space. So we hope to see some of you there. But For now, that's going to be it, guys. I hope you have a great rest of the week and stay Cryptocurrent. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. 